1033 The Goat. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. Rage of Cajun football tonight. We'll talk to Gerald Broussard. He's in Huntington. We'll talk to him in a little bit about a number of things. Ralph Malbro, my friend, Saints Happy Hour podcast host, joins us in the 8 o'clock hour. Man, oh, man. See, like... The one good thing about the, the the one good thing about the Mets not being in the playoffs anymore is that like they can't just hurt me on a regular basis. Even though I'm still sore from how they lost over the weekend, and now you got folks saying they're cheating. I know the Padres cheated, Musgrove cheated. Look at it, whatever, whatever. I'm I'm trying to just move on from it. So I just sat back and watched some baseball yesterday. Phillies beat the Braves. Then all the favorites won, but it looked for a moment like the Astros were done. At least in game one. I mean, the Mariners, they really were were, were dominating for a large chunk of the game. They were. They dominated the game until they didn't. And the Astros are down to their last out. After being down 6-2, they're down to their last out, down 7-5. to five. And here comes Jordan Alvarez with two runners on, down to two outs, and he hit a ball that, let's be honest, guys, it I, I don't I don't think it's landed yet. Saturday. In to try to close it on a Tuesday. Alvarez launches deep right field. And this one is gone. And the Astros walk him off in game one. Jordan Alvarez. Are you kidding me? Jordan, who is your daddy? Because, oh my God, you want to talk about a gut-wrenching way to lose. Here are the Mariners win these games in Toronto, feeling good in the postseason for the first time in 21 years. I mean, they've been out of the postseason long enough to buy alcohol, and here they are back in the playoffs. Got a lot of folks rooting for them. I know there are a lot of Astros fans listening. They're rooting for their Astros. A lot of people aren't because, you know, the buzzer thing. Plus, you know, the Mariners are a new team, but for Astros fans live it up because that was a moment. And these game ones are so huge, especially in a best of five series, especially in a best of five series. As, as has been custom on this show for years, when there's a big moment in sports, we like to give you the Spanish call as well. 
Francisco Romero, Spanish broadcaster for the Astros, on the call yesterday. It was, it was great. It was great. Take a listen. Ray se prepara la cemento para home. ¡Ah! La pelota hacia atrás. Esta pelota va que buena. Esta pelota sigue. Y esta pelota, esta se va a recuadrar. ¡Wow! paletón! ¡Palo, palo, palo por la calle! La saca del parque de pelota. Y los dos de Cristo dejan sentidos en el terreno. ¡A los barrios de Seattle! ¡Wow! Houston. Y dicen esta postemporada, qué juegazo que termina en el, en el, en el. I mean, what a moment, man. There are a lot of folks I saw on social media criticizing Dusty Baker. Ah, it's over. What are you doing? Why are you throwing good arms? You just got to wait. You got to play for tomorrow. You got to, or I guess they're playing Thursday. Wait for game two. And there they are walking off. Given Seattle a loss that is tough, 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 tough to come back from. If if Seattle wins yesterday, they've won three straight. They've got positive vibes. They've got potentially their aces waiting if you get to game three. You've got game four. You got game three or four. You got all this stuff working in your favor, and then you lose like that. I mean, if you lose Garrett Cole and George Springer and Carlos Correa and a bunch of guys and you're still the best team in the American League, I I understand why folks don't like the Astros that haven't grown up rooting for them. And I'm not an Astros fan. But man, oh man, I got to respect it. Oh, well, they're cheating. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They did. I don't know if I don't think they are. And I think if you're holding on to that from several years ago, you're probably a Yankees fan who the Yankees... By the way, got a win last night. They look good against Cleveland. Garrett Cole, speaking of Garrett Cole, he got out of a jam, and uh, and then they kind of rolled. Josh Jonathan, probably very grateful for Anthony Rizzo's huge two-run homer in the sixth, because that 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 base rust that base running uh, blunder was ridiculous. But they didn't look rusty. The only underdog to win was the Phillies. It was a close game. I got to watch a good chunk of it. I don't really like either the Phillies or the Braves, obviously, as a Mets fan. But uh, now suddenly, if you're the Braves, this is a must win today. Best out of five. Hosting the Phillies. 335 today. And then you had Dodgers Padres last night, and um, that uh, you could cut the tension with a knife, man. You talk about two teams that hate each other. Padres had a lot of chances late in the game to go up, a lot. But the Dodgers look—they look fresh. 
Rest versus rust, you don't really have the option whenever you're a team that's got the bye. But I guess, I suppose you do in the regular season when you're a team like the Dodgers that had such a huge lead. They've just been waiting for the postseason for a while, but they look fresh, man. And I think I think you saw a lot of benefits of their bye in the win last night. But there was a lot of tension, man. It was it was it was an exciting day of baseball, and I I admit it had you know I had trouble getting into any of it. But you know when Trey Turner hits a four hundred nineteen foot home run. When the Phillies and Braves are going back to forth, back and forth, and it's going down to, you know, the final eight, and then of course when Jordan Alvarez hits that walk off, you got to admit, postseason baseball is awesome. Saturday, in to try to close it on a Tuesday, Alvarez launches deep right field. Shout out Dusty Baker, man. Give him his due. He's done a great job and uh, been a great manager for a long time and did a great job yesterday. This is 103.3 The Goat simulcast on 1420. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. Sean Payton was on Spice, what, Up and Adams? K. Adams show yesterday. Mark Ingram was on there. Any of y'all catch this? As Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara continue to fumble the football. Sean had a little something to say about that, what he would do. I got something. Hey, for you and Kamara, start holding on to the rock, both of you. You're damn right. Hey, both of you. You have me throwing pillows at the screen, like, just like this. Tell Kamara, too. CBS receipt attached to that one. Hey, he ain't lying. He ain't lying. I, well, could, I only know what would happen Kamara. if you was out there. <laughs> wow. Is that how, how would you tell him as his, as his actual It'd just be a look. Really? Show, right. show us the look in that camera. What is the look? Mark, is this the look? <laughs> you mother... <laughs> this has been the most... I literally don't feel like we're on television. This is insane. I love you, Mark Ingram. Yeah. The look. See, you, you guys only have the audio. You know the Sean Payton look. But to hear Mark Ingram say, man, I can only imagine what it'd be like if if you were here. Okay. I mean, come on, Saints fans. How much are you missing Sean Payton this year? How much are you missing Sean Payton right now? The look. Look, media members have seen the look. Players for the Saints have all seen the look. When you give you that look and you give you that look, no, not that kind of look, Nicki Minaj, not that kind of look. No, 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 no. The Sean Payton look. Oh. 103.3 The Goat.
talk baseball, talk football. We'll do that more throughout the show today. Ralph Malbro joining me in the 8 o'clock hour. That's when we'll really kind of get into the Saints and the matchup coming up with the Bengals. But joining me next from Huntington, West Virginia, site of tonight's game between Louisiana and Marshall, Raging Cajun football, Wednesday night, on the road, in the Sun Belt. Gerald Broussard is there, along with Jay Walker and Cody Juno. They'll have the call for you tonight. Jay and G in the booth, Cody on the sideline. And G, who joins me on Wednesdays, will join me next live from a hotel just next to the Marshall campus. And he'll do so right after this. On 103.3 The Goat Simulcast on 1420, this is The Great Scott Show. Right back, right after this. All right. If you want to know the real deal about the three, we're going to take it with triple trouble, y'all. We're going to bring you off the screen. Check it out. Because I'm a specializer, but I'm a visor. Ain't selling out to advertisers. What you get is what you see. <laughs> Download the free 1033 The Goat app now. Right now. You've got mail and the very latest sports news now. Did he say what I think he said? 1033 The Goat. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is old. Y'all don't want to hear me sing. But, I mean, the man's in West Virginia. I can't help it. Gerald Broussard, as he joins me each and every Wednesday, is joining me this morning next to a river in Huntington, West Virginia. Huntington is the site of the University of Marshall, who will host Louisiana Rage Cajun in football tonight, and that is why Gerald is there. Gerald, man, what are the vibes like in West Virginia? Are, are they are they like John Denver describes? Uh, no. not at all not at all i mean i don't know that you're actually you know along a country road or anything but but no i mean i didn't expect you to be like oh yeah man yeah (laughs) actually the road i'm along they uh so there is a river here about two blocks from the hotel i came down to the river to go get a little morning walk in heading down the river you know looking for a back trail and uh there are a few (laughs) a few uh how they say unhoused people, some homeless folks had to, you know, make a little homeless hurdle a couple times and don't want to wake them up, you know? And so, sure. anyway, uh, but, but no, it's, it, it's a big old river. There's a barge going down into mountain houses across the street. It's a neat little town, Scott. We, uh, went and had the Learfield crew and, and, and Brian Billy took us out, went and had a, a really an unbelievable, awesome dinner. I'm, uh, some Italian restaurant here. I wouldn't have thought that uh, the best Italian food I ever ate was in Huntington, West Rose. Virginia. But, uh, <laughs> Italian <yeah>. food. <laughs> nope, that's just doesn't it doesn't work. Well, you're you're not you're not on the Shenandoah River, so you know you know. I guess you're just not near the country roads. But so Huntington is all the way on the uh, far 
eastern side of the state. So you're you're really close to that uh, Kentucky border over there. Um, but you know, this is a, a new spot in the rotation, right? For for the Cajuns, Marshall. I know they played them. Shoot, not that long ago. I mean, it was December, but it was a bowl game. But right. now in the Sun Belt, I mean, this is this is a place that they're not going to go to every other year. As Marshall is in the is in the, uh, the 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 Sun Belt East, but it is a site that you know they'll go to uh, occasionally and kind of now in the Sun Belt rotation. Certainly, basketball, baseball as well, and something that I think those in the broadcast crew and Mister Jay Walker. We'll, uh, we'll probably get used to a little bit. But, yeah, I wouldn't have expected uh, to hear that, you know, you had a great Italian meal either. That's interesting. <laughs> no, it was good. It was a little bit of a, of a hike. We were talking about Jay. Jay's not, Jay's not big on walking. Uh, and so he ended, up, uh, having, <laughs> he ended up having to go back. Yeah. Uh, hey, Scott, let me just tell these people real quick. Okay, I was just, we've got some of our fans with us, that, and I just kind of didn't want them to take the same trek I took, so I was turning them around real quick. Good but, man, good man. Know, Give them a fair uh, warning. You yeah, don't want to get lost in West Virginia either, <laughs> you know. That's... Yes, uh, well, you, you dang, dang sure don't want to be a statistic. Uh, but, no, we, we, we walked from the hotel and, and had, had a really good meal, and the people were super. I mean, we got to the hotel. They got raging Cajun flags. They decorated the double tree with Cajun stuff on all their billboards and stuff, and, and the, you know, their television around, so they're treating us really good. You know, being new to the conference, you don't know what it is and going to be, but uh, the, the, the folks at the restaurant, they said, man, we hope to see you all in a couple of years, bring us some crawfish, and we'll comp your meal. And um, they don't realize in October it's kind of hard to get crawfish. Right. I mean, if they, they want frozen crawfish, <laughs> sure. You can make an etouffee with it. Here you go. Uh, it's thawed out on the no plane doubt. rides. So you need to cook it tonight. Uh, but it ain't that kind of crawfish. Um, Gerald Broussard, <laughs> our guest, you talked about not wanting to be a statistic. Um, let's talk statistics. The, um, you know, the Marshall Thundering Herd, they have a really good rushing offense. They lead the Sun Belt in rushing. They, uh, they got a back in Kalen LeBourne, who's got 731 yards on 132 carries. He's got eight touchdowns. And then you've got, you know, UL's D-line that, you know, Marcus Weiser, I think that's a, that's a big loss. They miss him. He's had a good season. He's had a number of sacks. But the defensive front, I thought, in terms of how they played against the run against South Alabama was, 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 was good. Um, and they're going to need to do it tonight, man. I know, I know you're going to give us some G's, keys, and there's always, you know, a couple. But for me, I, I think the big storyline tonight, and I, I guess I'm trying to get all, we talk so much about the Cajuns O-line, and that's, that's just going to be a story all season. I get it. But I wanted to flip on the other side of it. I think maybe the biggest key tonight is, is UL's defensive front against that, that Marshall Russian attack. Because I think for both of these teams, G, they're saying, let's try to make the other quarterback beat us and not lose in the ground game. I think that's, that's top of the list for me to keep an eye on tonight. No, you're, you're exactly right, Scott. The other part of that, now, look, and, I, and I'm going to say youngins instead of rascals because they got some big old fellas up front now. I'm talking about they're full grown. And uh, they get after it, do a good job, not overly athletic. I'm talking about Dave Marshall offensive line. I mean, they're not overly athletic, but they fit it and, 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 and they do a good job. They do what they do. Their quarterback that played in a bowl game last year is playing out for Virginia Tech. And the running back, who was really good and freshman All-American playing a bowl game last year, is not playing at all this year. Has not played at all. Now, he may play tonight. I don't know. I don't know why he has not played. But, uh, you know, the, the kid that's been playing does a good job for him. 
they do what they do and they know who they are and they don't try and get away from it. And if you hear a bunch of noise, they got a bunch of geese flying over me. Oh, right I now hear it. I hear it. Hold up the phone. I want. I want to hear. I want the folks here in Lafayette to hear the geese in West Virginia. Let's hear it real quick. I think I just scared them off because they hung a left. <laughs> they went back across the river. I mean, I know, but, I know uh, you're not. I just, I'm kind of envious. I kind of wish I was with you guys on this trip, man. It just sounds like you're out there. It, it, it is picturesque compared to what we're used to. You know, it's just stuff we don't see. You know, you're coming through and you, you're seeing all the houses in the mountains and stuff like yeah. that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But getting getting back to it, Scott, I think that they know what they do. Their quarterback kind of struggles to throw a little bit they're okay outside but but i mean they're, they're you know they they just they they know what they are they do what they do and they do it by running the football and playing good defense and and uh you know the, the thing the cajun's defensive line did and, the, and linebacker really second level players did last week against south alabama they didn't wait i mean they saw what they saw and they came downhill kind of flipped the script on what south alabama had done and when we talked before the South Alabama game, we talked about South Alabama's linebackers and second-level players, off-the-line players, playing downhill right now, seeing something and going and attacking the line of scrimmage. Well, the Cajuns did that against South Al and shut down the whole run game for South Al. South Al had some success when they, when they spread the Cajuns out and tried to run or when they went to what's called a gap scheme where they bogged down one side and pulled from the other. But when they tried to do what they normally do, their zone scheme, couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it against Cajun. These guys are, are, will do both schemes, and, and, and I think that, you know, they're going to have to, Cajuns are going to have to fit the gap scheme better because looking at the film, I'm sure that the uh, the, the, the Marshall offensive coaching staff is going to look at, so look, if we, and, and we've said it before, Scott, if you try and run wide on the Cajuns, you're going to, Cajuns can run, and you're going to have, have trouble doing that, but uh, it, that, that to me, I, I agree with your assessment, and that's a long way of saying. Yeah, you're right. All right. Well, um, <laughs> let's 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 look at the the other. I guess the the more obvious statistic that it seems like we talked about a lot last year, and we talked about it after the first two weeks of this year, and then you start losing, and you're on a three game losing streak, and it hasn't been really a focus i guess we talked a little bit about it after they lost to rice because we were like look they were up this much in the turnover margin and they still lost like this but the turnover margin is always the big story and last year with the amount of one possession games the cajuns won and where they ranked in the turnover margin department we talked about it and it seems like during this three-game losing streak we haven't talked about it a ton uh, you know, they've created some turnovers. They've given the ball away a little bit. It just hasn't really been a storyline. But, you know, Marshall is 23-5 and five when they're just even in the turnover margin. And um, I, I think, you know, in their last 28 games. So for the Cajuns tonight, I think they got to be plus. I think, I mean, you're a 10.5-point betting dog. You're on the road. It's a midweek game. We talked about Marshall and what they do running the ball. You need to create some turnovers tonight, and that, to me, goes back to I, I don't know that they're going to put it on the ground a lot, and so if you're going to create turnovers, you're going to need to pick it off. I think that's the that that's the more if – if the Cajuns are plus in the turnover department tonight, they're going to have some interceptions. I mean, the Cajuns have, what, 10 picks this year by, by I think, 10 different players. I mean, they've been able to – intercept the opposition and if you're able to slow down the run game just a little tonight that's going to increase your opportunity to do that 
then maybe you're plus. Now you got a shot. So even when we start talking about something like turnovers, I just go back to, to me, the first key, and that's slowing down that Marshall run game because that's what they want to do, I think, first and foremost on offense. And if you do it, now you're able to get a couple of other stats potentially in your favor that if you just look at it on paper, if they're down, if if they're even or plus, Marshall wins a lot of the time. And that's 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 typically the sign of a team that runs the ball a lot. I mean, we could say the same thing about, you know, some of Coach Napier's UL coach teams. You know, when you're when you're a kind of a run first team, you know, your turnover margin tends to be more on the plus side. Well, and you play to your strengths. I mean, you, you, and, and that's what that's what Marshall is. What we talked about earlier, they know what they are. They do what they do. Uh, Marshall's they're fine punting, you know. And, and look, their, their their head coach was an offensive coach, and he's okay sending the punt team out there. He's not going to force anything down the field. He's not going to. And it's not saying that he's ultra conservative. He just he's he's going to ask his quarterback to do what he feels like he's good at. Sometimes that's just turn around and hand it off on third and long. But but there are going to be some opportunities. The ball will get in the air. And when it is, and, and you mentioned it, the Cajun defense has done a good job, not just defending the pass, but, but intercepting the yeah. ball when they get the opportunity to catch it. And, and, uh, and, and I agree. I mean, I think this is the kind of game that's going to play to the turnover battle just because neither team is explosive. And so, you know, it, I do believe it's going to be a low-scoring game. I do believe it's going to be a close game. And, look, I was surprised that South Alabama struggled the way they did against the Cajun defense and only because of the success they had had against all the other defense. Now, I knew the Cajun defense was good, but, but I, didn't, I hadn't seen them against an yeah. offense that I thought would challenge them like I, did, like I thought South Alabama's would. Yeah, the Cajun, and, and, the Cajun's defense, to your point, has been good this year. I mean, they've done their job. Yeah. They've, they've, they've yeah. got the top turnover margin in the Sun Belt. They, you mentioned what they did to South Alabama. They held them to their season low by, I mean, I think they're second to – to, to, to lowest scoring margin going into that game was 31 at UCLA. I mean, Cajun's held them to 20. So we the defense have done their job. They're going to need to do it tonight. And so with that, Gerald, let, let's flip on the other side of the ball. As is always the case, I usually talk a lot with you about the offensive line and the issues that they've had, and, and that being the question mark going into this season. And fans talk about it somewhat, but it's natural, right? Quarterback's going to be talked about the most. Chandler Fields didn't play mm-hmm. And Coach Desermo told me Monday, he said, look, <laughs> I asked Chandler how he was feeling, and he, he admitted to me maybe he probably shouldn't even been playing last week. Uh, and folks, you know, made a lot, out of, a lot out of that. I think that's really not a story. Players, even when they're hurt, usually want to play, and they're going to tell you they're good enough to play most of the time. I mean, uh, I know Coach did. I know you did. I know that's what most players do. Um, Chandler aside, really the focus is on Ben Woldridge. A lot of fans have been clamoring, hey, let's just have one quarterback. Let's not mix him out. I mean, barring, you know, an injury or something bad happening, they're going to get their wish tonight. It's, it's been Woldridge's chance. It's his opportunity to get all the first-team reps. He's gotten them all heading into this game. What is your let, – let me phrase it this way, Gerald. Is your expectation for Woldridge different being that now it's you got every series than it was earlier in the season when he's just coming in every third or fourth series. I think I think it is for him, Scott, because every time he came in before, he felt like he had to have success in order to warrant another snap. Uh, now he knows he's going to get another snap, and, and, and so he can play a little looser. He can play a little freer, uh, and then I would I would hope that he can play a little better. 
and with some consistency in it that we I, look. I say we. I I think he's capable of. Uh, you know, I, I know he shows a little more athleticism every time he, he plays than I thought when I first saw him in the spring. But uh, he, he's he's more than capable of making the throws. The timing of the throws need to be there. And I think that the other part of it is you, you hit on, on when you were talking is that he got the, the, the snaps with the, with the first group all week. And so the timing with the receivers now with the Jeffersons and the Peter LeBons and, and uh, the, the whoever ends up else starting there is going to be there. And, and hopefully, um, you know, we can see some of that this evening. Look, I'm not saying he's got it. One of the things they talk about Chandler was the ability to get the ball down the field, uh, which, which is fine. But, Scott, truth be known, we need to get the ball underneath in the mid-level and down the field. I mean, we – we just, part of that in throwing the football and consistency of throwing the football just hasn't been there. The other part of it is Chris Smith. You know, I, look, I, and, and he may start tonight. I, I don't know. I, but I did not see him on the plane. I, I don't know if he's going to be there. And, and so if he, if he, I hope he's there. But we saw how he went down at the end of the game. I don't expect him to play to tonight. Play. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, but, you know. We, we, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to break anything. I just no, didn't yeah. see. Yeah, and no. So, and we know. We know that he, if he is, he's going to be somewhat limited. So the other guys in the run game are going to have to pick it up. The guys up front are going to have to do a good job. And then, look, you got them big old good-looking tight ends, too, that now you can get the ball to them a little bit and, and make some plays for you. And and I do think that, Ben, we, I'm hoping, and I'm, I've got a wooden bench right here, I'm going to go knock on, that, that we see, you know, a, a, a different Ben. That uh, a more free man, a, a guy that can play and doesn't look over his shoulder and, and go make some plays, and and um, and I think and I like I say I know he's capable of it, and 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 as long as that, as long as he doesn't do anything to hurt your opportunity, I, and like I said, I, I know Coach Huff is fine with punting. I think Coach Dez is too. If you got to punt, punt and play it to the end, and then you see what happens at the end of it. Because I think these are two very good defenses that are going to get after you, going to give you some opportunities because they'll challenge you a little bit. But, you know, one of the things you're going to see and hear talked about on the broadcast, whether you listen to us or listen to the, to the ESPN broadcast, they're going to talk about all transfers at Marshall and all Marshall's defense. And, uh, you know, one of them is from Iowa, Louisiana, and played at Magnese. So it's not like they I mean, they got guys in there transferring from a lot of different schools. they got three transfers from Austin Peak. And so it's not like they're transferring from, from – you know, LSU or Alabama or stuff, they're transferring up. But Coach Gidry, their defense coordinator, will have them motivated to get after it, and they play with an aggressive mentality, similar to the Cajun defense. So that's, you know, Ben will have to see what he sees, trust what he sees, and get the ball on time. If he does that, there's going to be opportunities for success. Gerald Broussard has been our guest. Last thing for you, G, then we'll let you get back to the geese. They just landed, dude. They got a river full of them. <laughs> the uh, the special teams. Jay and I were having a debate yesterday. Um, I feel like the special teams has been disappointing to this point in regards to the expectation. Okay? I'm not saying that it's been bad all the way around. I'm just saying the expectation to me you know, it's just they've they've been great in that department. And Eric Gare has been absolutely fantastic. Um, you've missed some kicks. I know that magnifies everything. But, you know, the coverage has been okay. But Reese Burns, I, I have, again, the expectation is sort of all-American levels, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, am I 
Am I being unfair here? Jay felt like they've, outside of the missed field goals, that special teams has, has been, you know, I, I guess better than what I'm making it out to be. Again, I'm not saying it's been awful. It's just it hasn't been up to, I guess, the standard that it's been the last few years of what I was expecting it to be, if that makes sense. What is your take on special teams and its potential role in tonight's game? Well, I, I think, and, and look, I'm, I'm I'm closer to you than I am to Jay with it, and I am uh, because there's some little things, easy things, you know, that, that one of the missed kicks was due to a, a, a snap that was dribbled back. Uh, you gave up a touchdown on on a bad snap on a punt, and, and you know your punter talked about it the, that week against ULM and the week before against Rice having mental mistake uh, because of misalignment and all this stuff, and some of the simple things, Scott, just. And look, I'll just say, I never heard of a punter having a mental mistake. Usually you catch it and kick it, you know, and then, you know, how do you coach a punter? Kick it, kick it farther, you know, stuff like that. But sometimes you, you, you put some stuff on, you don't want to coach the talent out of players. Uh, now the Eric Garrett, I mean, dude, you know, we, we, we got guys who can go with it and can make you pay on the return game part of it. We have given up a couple of returns. And then sometimes, you know, when you, you look at the easy things, you know, the snap, kick, catch, that, that's got to be routine. You know, the, the kicks, I understand missing 50-yarders and further, but the inside of it, uh, you know, and, and look, I'm a big fan of Kenny. I like Kenny, and I thought Kenny was going to have Almondaris I'm talking about. I thought he was going to be the kicker coming into the season when because we were told that. And then when, when Stafford came in and, and Stafford didn't have the consistency, Preston Stafford I'm talking about didn't have the consistency with it, then all of a sudden you go back to Kenny. And, and you know, you, know, you kind of – I don't know if you mess with confidence or whatever, but, you know, Scott, we talk about it all the time. Kickers, it, it, they're, they're a different breed. And my son was a specialist, so I, 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 and I dealt with specialists my whole career there and just talking with them and coaching them and trying to put itineraries together for them and keep them up and keep them involved in everything. It is a different deal, but I, I do think though that <laughs> you got you got bad snaps and missed kicks that have really cost you two games, and that's on top. It's as as we know all the other stuff, all the other stuff that caused, and it's not no one play. We know that, but all the other stuff that causes lack of success. If if you if you don't have two bad snaps against ULM, if you don't have one of them, you, you win. But if you don't have two, you definitely yeah. win. Yeah, and if you, if you make your kicks against. Uh, USA, then chances are you win that too. When your margin for error is not wide, you have to be good on special teams. You have to be good in the turnover department. They've been good in one of those two things and not the other. And if they were good in both, they they have a different record right now. And the whole feel of the team feels a little different. I mean, let's remember, while they had the longest win streak in the country up until week three of this season, it, it... it wasn't like they were blowing everybody out, G. You know what I mean? It was there were a no, lot of close no, wins, no. and and what? it was the little things, those little details. They they can just, but there wasn't this sort of backlash of oh the sky is falling. And I think that's another way of saying, man, this team's close. They just got to clean up those little mistakes because you saw those little things. You do the little things right, and you can you know have the longest win streak in the country. You do some of the little some of the little things wrong, and you know, you're on the verge of your first four-game, you know, losing streak in seven years. It's it's do the little things right tonight. Do the little things right moving forward, and, and you could turn a lot of things around. Well, and, and and just don't beat yourself. If you just let the other team beat themselves, we, we you, you mentioned that uh, the longest winning streak in the country would have started a week later 
if the Nichols quarterback doesn't throw the ball to us, you know, and, and we were struggling stopping Nichols there in the second game, you know, what, what would have happened if, the, yeah, what would have happened if the Cajuns are zero and two after the Texas loss, Oof. you know, and then the the South Alabama game last year. Yeah, and look, there were a bunch of stuff that went into that game with the weather and the delay and all that stuff, and, and they have the ball in the position to get a game-winning kick there at the end. And same kicker that made it this week, uh, he missed it last year. And, um, you know, just missed it. And, and so, you know, th- those things do happen, but you don't have to draw a picture. Now, when you get a win, you take the win. And, and, and that's if you can just don't beat yourself, which is kind of what we talked about with the special teams, it doesn't have to be – a positive all the time, but it can't be a negative. And and if, as long as you're a push there and you can win, you mentioned it, if you can win the turnover battle and be even on special teams or better off if you can win both the turnover battle and the special teams, chances are you got a chance to win. And, and just keep yourself in every game. And I do anticipate, you know, Scott, look how close it is. You know, a lot of, of skies falling running around there and people looking for all kinds of reasons why the Cajuns are two and three. But we just talked about how close are you to being four and one, and 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 you know, and that's with not playing well. And I do think that this team is getting better. I do think, it, as you know, and there's going to be a lot of criticism when I say it. But I thought the Cajuns played as their best game against South Alabama because I thought South Alabama was their best opponent. Now they're going to need to play another good game, but get better this week. And if if they're in it tonight. They'll have a chance at the end, and, and let's let's hope that we come home because that's going to be a, a long trip. We're going to get back early in the morning or late in the morning, whatever, mid-morning. But, uh, you know, let's come back with a win. You get an extended week next week and then go from there. Safe travels late tonight. Hopefully you're coming back with a victory. Gerald Broussard in Huntington, West Virginia. He and Jay Walker in the booth tonight. Cody Juno on the sideline. Louisiana taking on Marshall. On ESPN2, as always, sync up the audio with your TV with the radio. I tell folks every week, and some say they're going to do it, and then I see them complain on social media because some guy on the national broadcast called UL the wrong name or mispronounced the player. Or What are you doing? Stop complaining. Do something about it. <laughs> sync up the audio. Hear Jay. Hear G. Hear the Rascals. Hear it all. Um, I enjoy the call, and um, I'll be enjoying doing that tonight as I I watch the Cajuns and listen to you guys call it. Uh, 4.30 pregame, Steve Peliquin and Richie Falgu, uh, 6.30 kickoff. And, um, Gerald, man, I appreciate you joining us from Huntington. Uh, enjoy the river, enjoy the scenery, and uh, enjoy the game tonight, my friend. I will. Hey, always special, Scott. Thank All you, right. man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing us out of this break here. You might want to hang up. I don't know if you want to hear it. I will. All right. Bye. <laughs> bye. Miner's lady, strangers to the water, dark and dusty, painted on the sky, miss the taste of moonshine, teardrops in my eyes, country roads, take me home to the place. It's a good thing goats have four stomachs. Otherwise, there's no way we could swallow some of these takes. Hey, go!
What's going on out there? 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. 1033 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. Appreciate Gerald Broussard coming on. We've talked a little Major League Baseball. We've talked Cajuns Marshall. We'll talk some Saints football next hour with Ralph Malbro. We do have open phone lines 337 269 1077. No surprise. Saints everything Taysom Hill named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Probably the least surprising news of the day. I mean, when you have a game like that one, when you're 6'2", 221 pounds, play multiple special teams unit, return three kickoffs for 69 yards, throw a 22-yard touchdown pass, rush for over 100 yards and three touchdowns, recover a fumble on special teams, put together the game-sealing block on Kamara's first down that clinched the win for the Saints, you're probably going to be the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Not the first time he's won a Player of the Week in his six-year career. He was an NFC Special Teams Player of the Week back in 2018. Blocked a punt and a big win over uh, Tampa Bay. And he is now the only uh, the only Saint other than Reggie Bush to win NFC Player of the Week award in two different phases. Bush won Offensive and Special Teams Player of the Week back when he was still in the league playing with the Saints. Second player in franchise history with at least three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown in the same game. Archie Manning did it in 1977. Third player ever to record at least 100 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and a touchdown pass in a single game. Ronnie Brown did it for Miami back in 2008 when they were running the Wildcat. The other was Pro Football Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson, who did it back in 2005. You know what's wild? Like, LaDainian Tomlinson, all-time great player. I mean, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he's, again, one of the one of the all-time great players. I don't know if I, I... I don't know what's happening to my mind or what. I totally forgot. Completely forgot that he played two seasons with the Jets. Like, when the Jets were, like, a playoff team. I totally forgot that. Someone brought that up the other day, and I, it, I, I was like, what? Nah. Really? Really? Yeah. Signed a two-year, $5.2 million deal with the Jets in 2010. And played in 2010 and 2011. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know how much he did in those seasons. 
I don't really remember. Maybe that's why I don't remember it much. I think he had probably a career low in his last season. But yeah, totally forgot that. All-decade team in the 2000s, obviously with the San Diego Superchargers. And then a couple seasons with the Jets. Like, I, I remember Emmett Smith with the Cardinals. I've seen Joe Namath in a Rams uniform. I, I usually remember when someone's just trying to hang. I mean, Jerry Rice ended his career with the Broncos and got cut. And, you know, before that, spent a little time in Seattle. I remember these things. I don't I don't know why I could not remember. Really? LaDainian Tomlinson with the Jets? How many of you remembered that? Maybe a lot of you. I don't know. I guess I'm just getting old. My memory isn't what it used to be. I guess that's the case, right? 337-269-1077. You can email me, scott at 1033thegoat.com. Doug emails. Scott, I heard the show open. You talking about the Strohs. Can you please play the Spanish call for me again? I don't speak Spanish, but man... It was the one thing I didn't relive yesterday. I got to be honest. I rewatched the Alvarez home run probably a hundred times after it happened. I'm a happy camper today. Go Strohs. That was, what a moment. What a moment that was. That was, it's just like, I, A walk-off homer in a game you've been trailing in the playoffs in a best-of-five series, it's just such a big thing. You're throwing good arms. You're trying to come back and win. If you lose, you're in the hole, and then that dude steps up to the plate. Two outs, two on, 0-1 pitch, and the lefty just hit that one to Jupiter. It was a great moment. Marineros le hizo lo mismo a los azulejos de Toronto. Creo que ellos estaban abajo por siete carreras, vienen de atrás para ganar. Pero qué juego, Frank, el día de hoy, de la manera que los Astros de Houston inician esta postemporada. Qué juegazo que termina en el. En el, en el... Yeah, that was great. You know, they, they, on the Spanish call, they, they'll, they'll just keep talking through it all. On the Astros call, you know, it's let's get excited, let's yell, the TV call, and then let's just let the crowd tell the rest of the story. In to try to close it on a Tuesday. Alvarez launches deep right field, and this one is gone, and the Astros walk them off in game one. Jordan Alvarez, are you kidding me?
crowd do the rest. You can hear the, I mean, Dusty Baker's there to hug him as he crosses home plate. Must be nice to experience really fun, great things as a baseball fan. Outside of, you know, a little run in 2000 and Daniel Murphy going crazy in the 2015 postseason, but losing in the World Series both times. I mean, I haven't really gotten to enjoy too many times in the postseason as the Mets. I'm, I'm seeing Andy Chavez, Chavez catch an incredible stealing home run catch only for the Cardinals to strike out Beltron and in the Mets hopes in 06. It's just a lot of sorrow. Aside from buzzing and, and, and you know, cheating and things like that, that that got, you know, Yankees fans upset and others upset. I mean, the reality is if you're an Astros fan, I mean, holy cow, the last, what, five, six years, it's been just a dream ride for you guys. And I I don't know how it's going to end this season. I don't know where it's going. I don't, I don't, I just, but moments like yesterday, enjoy them. Don't take them for granted. This is 1033 The Goat simulcast on 1420. I'm Scott Prather. Great Scott show. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back in the 8 o'clock hour. Ralph Malro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast is going to join me around 8.15. We'll take a look around the other baseball games yesterday that unfolded last night and yesterday during the day. And what is on the docket today? Plus, a couple more stats for you for UL versus Marshall tonight to keep an eye on. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Show 103.3 The Goat Simulcast on 14.20. <sighs> the greatest sports talk of all time, The Goat. Tell you what, that was a goat-like performance from Taysom Hill on Sunday, wasn't it? Holy cow. I'm going somewhere with this, but just in case you forgot. 34 yards on eight carries back to Taysom Hill. Hill up the middle and in. The Wildcat quarterback Taysom Hill scores the touchdown. does a great job. That's Carl Granderson. Dwayne Washington checks in at running back. He's going to block for Hill, and Hill yet again strolls in his second. Oh, here we go. How about that? And his first pass is a beauty for a touchdown. Right now. And that means they're going to run it with Hill. This is what he could go. Every time, and now he's gone. It's a foot race, but the speed of Willem, will he get there? Doing it too. <laughs> Here's a handoff for oh, Kamara. He's trying to ice this game. Boy, he almost broke it. 
And on that Camaro run, it was Taysom Hill who laid down the seal block. It was a great performance, and to no one's surprise, he was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week today. Uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week is Micah Parsons. Not a really big surprise there either. Man, the Cowboys, that cat. Oof. How good is he? Cameron Dicker, the Eagles kicker, the uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Special Teams Player of the Week, uh, Taysom Hill won one of those back in 2018. Maybe they could play him on defense again and get a Defensive Player of the Week at some point. In the AFC, uh, a tie, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Check that. No, just Josh Allen. Mahomes won it last week. Uh, Matthew Judon of the Patriots on defense and uh, Chase McLaughlin of the Colts won it on special teams. After that four field goal performance in the absolutely horrendous Thursday night football game. Um, You know, I I, I got some emails yesterday from a few listeners. I, I often get emails around like around lunchtime, which I'm guessing it's folks listening via the podcast. You know, they're not able to listen live, which it's fine. Download the Great Scott Show podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, Google's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, all those places. You can also listen on demand right off of the 103.3 The Goat app or 103.3thegoat.com. But a lot of them essentially were saying, you know, you spent all this time talking about officiating and trying to act like it wasn't you know, as as bad as it is. The NFL is a serious problem, and you're downplaying it. I'm not downplaying the problem. Okay, this is an email from Chase yesterday. Scott, hearing you talk about the NFL officiating, it's as if you're trying to defend them. You can't deny that the officiating was really bad, and some of these roughing the passer calls are egregious. I'm not trying to deny that the officiating is bad, Chase. And I never said it was fine or it wasn't problematic. What I said was, if you listen clearly, was that the NFL does not care until it begins to impact the bottom line. And until it does, they won't make any changes. And there's some egregious roughing the passer penalties all the time. I say all the time. Often. When it happens in a big moment on national TV or when it's something that happens to Brady, it, it it's going to get talked about a lot, which is what happened. But name me a league where there's just great officiating. You think the officiating, the problem is, you know, the, the margin, like there is no margin for error. You screw up, fans are going to hate you. You screw up and it hurts your team, fans are going to hate you. You screw up and it helps your team, fans will forget about it five minutes later. I mean, you know what was more egregious was uh, than, than the, well, I don't know, the Chris Jones roughing the passer on the Chiefs was pretty bad. All of the calls after that, all of the makeup calls. I mean, the Chiefs missed the field goal and the Raiders were going to have the ball and instead... They call a defensive holding, which, by the way, they never showed the replay on it. I went back and watched. Yeah, it wasn't defensive holding. Horrible. But, you know, the focus is on the quarterbacks and Troy Aikman saying they need to take their dresses off and all that stuff. And I get it. But, again, my point isn't that it's okay. My point is don't expect anything major to change. The NFL will put out some statements. They'll do some PR. They'll try to act like they care. They don't care until it impacts their bottom line. If anything, it helps them. Everybody's talking about it. 
Oh, my God, it's atrocious. Oh, my God, did you see what they did? How could they call that on Brady? Why didn't they call it in this game? Why didn't they? Coming up next on first day, coming up next on Undisputed or whatever the show is, on none of those talking head shows that I watch because I know all they're going to do is talk about stuff like that. That's the point, right? That's the point. Not that it's okay. Not that, it, I mean, look, I don't think these guys are going out there trying to do a bad job. Although, I don't know, man, Jerome Bo- Booger, that cat. He always kind of talked like Tim Meadows from the ladies' man back when, remember, remember that old Tim Meadows character on SNL? He got a movie by, out of that, by the way. Shout out Tim Meadows. I bought you some flowers. They look and feel fake, but they smell real. That's what Jerome Booger sounds like when he's calling games. Holding on the defense. That's a 10-yard penalty. That's a 5-yard penalty from the spot of the foul. That's an automatic first down. Roughing the passer. I mean, some of these cats, they officiate a long time because while it ain't a full-time job and they have other jobs, they make a whole lot of good money. A lot of good money. Coming up next, Ralph Malbro is going to join me. We'll talk some Saints football and, and this. I want to be clear here. There is no gatekeeping that's about to take place. I think fan gatekeeping is dumb. If somebody wants to be a fan of the team you root for, just understand that if your team begins to win, they're not going to feel the same emotions as you. They're not going to be as strong. They're not going to be as happy. But that doesn't mean that they can't jump on the wagon and enjoy it. No, no. What, what, I, what, I, what I'm talking about here isn't fan gatekeeping. It's simply saying you're not actually a fan if you do something very particular that Ralph and I are going to talk about. And, of course, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the Saints and some other issues and good and bad and all that other stuff. But no, fan gatekeeping is weird. I'll give you that. But when it comes to some of these folks that claim they're fans of the Saints but are not going to be rooting for them Sunday because of some loyalty they have to a player on another team because of what they did in college, you're not, you're not a fan. You're not a fan of the Saints. You're kind of like a, a, a semi-supporter, a casual supporter, a watcher. We'll explain, though. We'll get into it. It's all coming your way on The Great Scott Show. Ralph Malbro joins me next on 103.3 The Goat, simulcast on 1420. This is The Goat, greatest sports talk of all time. That's Ralph Malbro's music. Host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Saints historian, writer, a man that goes on TV once a week for some reason. I don't know why they want to show his face, but his wife dresses him, makes sure he's ready for the occasion. 
a connoisseur of brown liquor. Ralph Malbro is in the house this morning for a segment or two here in this 8 o'clock hour. Good morning, man. We, we haven't talked on the air anyway for about a month or so. How you been? I've been okay, man. It was, it was nice to have the Saints finally win, finally win a game. Uh, you know, and, and listen, they needed one in four was like a death sentence. Like in two and three, we can lie to ourselves. We can be a little delusional. We can say, ah, they can fix it. They only game out of first. And the thing is, Scott, this is what I always, with the late Buddy D, with WWL, the late great Buddy D, when I was his producer, I would, I, I, I remember I would argue with him sometimes at the end of Hazlitt, like they would win a game and they would be two and two. And I would be excited. And Buddy D was like, why are you excited? Hazlitt, they're not going anywhere. Like, what, what is it? Don't you see that they're bad? And I'm like, yes, buddy. I see that they're bad. But I've bought these season tickets, and I have six more home games to go to. I don't want my playoff dreams and fantasies crushed like a bug on a windshield before Halloween. You know? So, like, that's why yesterday, that's why Sunday was such a big win, because they, you just want to keep hope alive, sort of. So, um it felt good, and look, it's fun when Taysom is doing stuff because it makes the nerds unhappy, and it's just hilarious, and it was great all around. You know, Ralph Malbrough, I guess you just you just highlighted another reason why the NFL added an extra playoff game, or two extra playoff games rather, um, and and two extra playoff teams. It's it's obviously yes, it's about the money, but the money isn't just the TV money. It's that interest from fan bases that will right. say, I still see my team's name, quote, in the hunt. Now, you and I have been, you know, you work with Buddy D. I got to work with him a little bit before he passed as well. We've we've covered this team a long time. We've been fans of this team for a long time, our whole life pretty much. We've seen how this team is covered. And I know, like, I don't I, – I probably should go to therapy, but, you know, I know I know I don't. But one thing I know they do in therapy is, you know, you try to – Go back to your past, the past memory, figure out why certain things are the way they are, right? Different exercises, and, and I respect the heck out of therapists and psychiatrists and all that. I feel like when it comes to the Saints, Ralph, I need to try to go back to, like, me in the 90s or even in the early 2000s right. in the Haslett era and remind myself how much just seeing the Saints name under in the hunt meant to me week to week. That's right. And and it meant like everything. I mean, Ditka was 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 atrocious, but you know he got Kerry Collins and you know his fourth quarterback that he had tried, and Collins won like a game against Dallas. It was a glorious win, but it wasn't like they were winning a bunch of games. But they they were like still in the hunt, like in week thirteen, and this was oh, yeah. the year that the Cardinals ended up going, and Jake Plummer right. helped Arizona win a game in Dallas as a wild card. And for the Cardinals fans, that was like huge. They hadn't done anything in so long, and the Saints ended up finishing six and ten because, of course, they did. But at one point, with like three weeks left in the season, it was like, man, they're six and six. you never know. I mean, yeah, I'm like they, latching they like, onto that. It was like they're, they're six and eight. We're playing Arizona. I can remember the game. Like they're six and eight, we're beating Arizona. If they can hold on to this game, we can get to seven and eight, and we'll control the whole thing. Yeah, in the yeah. season finale, he gets to eight and eight, and Dicker will make the playoffs, and we'll have Kerry Collins. And hey, who the hell knows? But like, and like, it's hard though. Like, is it? Do you, like, it's it's easy for me to say it and acknowledge it, 
But I've just been in folks, you know, that aren't Saints fans can make fun of me all they want. Oh, well, you only won a one Super Bowl. But I don't care. Like, I acknowledge that I, I mean, we were just so spoiled in the Breeze era. Like, so spoiled yeah, like you- every single week. And it's hard to, like, I'm trying to, maybe I do need to go to therapy, Ralph, so I can rediscover that magic that I felt when I was younger of just seeing the team's name in the hunt. Because let's be real. I mean, the the, the Saints, we could talk about the injuries and everything else. They're not exactly a well-coached team right now. There's not a ton of discipline. Just seeing them in the hunt, I need to be able to – that needs to mean everything to me this season for me to really get emotionally invested, not just, well, I have to be invested because I have to talk about it and write about it for work, but emotionally invested as a fan, I need I need to, to go back to me in the 90s as a Saints fan. No, I think that's true. Like The thing is for me, and it took me a little bit of time, but I've kind of recalibrated my expectations where, like, my thing is, just entertain me on Sunday afternoon. Because th- during the three-game losing streak, Scott, I'm going to be completely honest. Like, it wasn't really entertaining. No, Even awesome. the Minnesota game, it's, it was bad offense in the first half. And I was so frustrated with the Tampa game in the Dome because it was my son's first game. And people are like, oh, I love a defensive game, and it's, it was fun. If we're, you know, three-three. I'm like, dude, I brought a six-year-old. I needed touchdowns i needed fireworks to fire that kid up to make him love the saints and like he's sitting there like bored out of his mind because it's three three so like the games weren't fun and like sunday with Taysom was fun yes like that's what i want entertain me for three hours score some points get weird make big plays have horrible mistakes but have the other team do it too and like enter- entertain me that's what i need and the Saints have been sort of low on that on that entertainment value scale, and that makes the two and three even harder. You're right. Um, You're right. I mean, other than the fourth quarter in Atlanta, which was fun, doesn't even describe it. I um, mean, it's way more than that. But outside of that, there it was all just stress and frustration until Sunday. Like Sunday's game had look, there was frustration, there was there was some anger here and there. But there was a lot of fun mixed into it. And I'm good with that. Like, obviously, if they had lost, it would have, you know, stunk and, and everybody would have been miserable all week. But the fact that even if they had lost, Ralph, I think you and I can at least admit to ourselves, you know, there were at least moments in the game that we were we were, we were, were yelling in a positive, yeah. in, you know, we were, we were yelling positive things and not just angry expletives. Like, I mean, when Taysom's breaking them off and he's throwing a touchdown and you know, Kamara's taking a screen and going 50-plus yards, and Cam Jordan's grabbing a sack. It's like, you know, you're able to digest the the injuries and the dumb penalties and the turnovers a little easier when you at least have something to cheer about five minutes later. Games two, three, and four this year, there really wasn't any of that because even when they were, like, kind of moving the ball a little bit against Minnesota, it never really felt right. It never felt fun. No, it, it, I mean – Felt fun for a little bit when Murray was getting going, but you're right. Like it was never, it's never fun. And here's the thing: like people are saying, oh, they're not well coached, and which is true. And but they're like they're, they come out flat and they they don't have any energy. And I always tell people on my podcast, you want to do interviews, like to have energy in a football game, you got to make stuff happen. You can't just fire yourself up and clap and scream. You got to you got to make plays. Like the Minnesota game, the Saints looked absolutely dead and it looked for a little stretch like they were going to get boat race honey badger who's been kind of bad this year he makes a pick 
suddenly it all swings around, right? So that's the thing with the Saints. And, like, I don't know what it's going to take for them to have a good first quarter. I don't know if we're ever going to see it this year, this year, Scott. But if it would happen, I want it so bad against the Bengals. And I went on a rant on WWL, and people, some people got mad at me, and people got mad at me. And Twitter. I don't care. Let me tell you something. All you LSU people that are going to wear your Joe Burrow jersey or your half Joe Burrow jersey, half Bengals, half LSU jersey, if you're rooting for Cincinnati on Sunday to win the game, you're not a Saints fan. You watch the Saints on TV, but you don't really root for them. And you're an LSU fan, and you prioritize LSU and LSU players over the Saints. And that's cool. Live your life. And here's the thing, like LSU just don't act like you 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 really are a real fan God. though. No, you're, you know I, I saw it. I saw it on social media. They're all wrong. You're right. And I can even liken it to something here. Now I I don't, you know I don't root against LSU. There are some U. There are a lot of UL fans that do Cajun fans, and I'm going somewhere with this. And they'll often get a response from an LSU fan that's like, I mean, why? I always I I root for you. I don't root against you. Why do you not like me? And if at first glance it might appear that 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 LSU fan has a point, but really, it's because they're not really threatened. And if LSU's playing them in anything, they're not really rooting for them. So what you're saying is, you don't root against UL, but don't don't say that you root for them. You kind of root for them, just like on the side, like. But there's there's no there's no stakes. Like you're not yeah. putting anything at risk, and that's kind of like these these fans that claim that they. They kind of root for the Saints, but not this Sunday. I'm rooting for the Bengals because Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, you know, Tyler Shelvin, whatever. Like, you're not don't don't say you're a Saints fan. Just say just say you don't root against the Saints, but don't say you're a Saints fan in general, right? Because that's not you're you're you can be an LSU fan and you can be a Saints fan. And you know, Deion Jones got traded to to Cleveland this week, and you know, I, I'll tell you this. He was from New Orleans. He played at LSU. There wasn't a second in his entire NFL career where I was rooting for that dude ever. I mean, he was with the Falcons for crying out loud, and and right. and he was, you know, he was good early in his career, and he was he played well against Breeze and the Saints. And I was like, man, I, you know, I don't know him personally. I don't have anything against him personally, but as a, as a fan, I can't stand him. He's on the other team. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I hope he does well today. But the Saints win. No, no, forget all that. No, I hope I hope the Saints skull drag the Bengals on Sunday. I don't want anyone to get hurt, mind you. But I hope they just dominate them on the field. And anybody that claims they like, they root for the Saints, but they won't root for them this Sunday. They don't actually root for the Saints. They just don't yeah. root against them most Sundays. Yeah, and that's what I said to him when I was. I was like, "Listen, this would be like," and he was like, "Well, I have loyalty to Joe Burrow." He did amazing things for LSU, and you can't stop me. I'm like, I'm not going to stop you. Stop you. Yeah, I'm just gonna, <laughs> you can't I'm gonna, stop I'm me. I'm just going to say this to you. <laughs> I was like, listen, if when LSU played Alabama, if I was like, I'm a diehard LSU fan, I graduated from there in 1999. I bleed purple and gold. But when LSU plays Alabama, I put on my Roll Tide shirt because Nick Saban, what he did for the LSU program and getting us back and so getting, us, getting us to be a national power, Scott, that's special. So once a year, I root for Alabama. LSU people would look at me like I was wacko. Right. You know what? It would be wacko. And that's what it is this week. Like, if you root for Cincinnati, live your life. But just don't tell me you're a Saints fan. Exactly. And, and they're like, why do you care? I'm like, because you're lying to me. 
You, right, right, you don't right. Don't tell me you're a Saints fan you, when you're wearing a freaking Bengals jersey in the dome. You're trying That's to have all. it both ways. Yeah. It, it it goes back to the threat thing, right? If they're if they're threatened, then it makes sense. If they're not threatened, and you can't really threaten LSU because it's the Saints, it's college football and pro football, right? But as soon as it's threatened, then suddenly the whole idea of man, they did a lot. For, it's gone. I mean, let's be honest. Like if 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 Drew Brees came back into the league and and played for one more year in Tampa or something, it was playing against this. You think Packers fans were rooting for freaking Brett Favre on the Vikings in 2009? <laughs> Hell no. You know, maybe maybe when he was on the Jets, maybe some of them were like, okay, when they weren't playing the Jets. But again, they weren't threatened, and that's really what it comes down to. But they don't see uh-huh. it that way. They're just like, no, come on, I don't, I don't root against the Saints. I, I hope they win most Sundays. Just, just not this one time. You're not a Saints fan. You think you are, but you're not. You're not. No, they know they're not. They just want to pretend like they are, and that's why it makes me angry. I was actually surprised when I saw you tweet that, Ralph Malbro, our guest. Uh, I was surprised. I, I was like, I, I knew. Look, I agreed with you, but I was surprised at how many responses there were. Like there was just these long conversations. Look, the, I, I used to I, I used to give it to 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 UL uh, to to you know, I say UL fans. Listen, when Jake Delhomme was was rolling in Carolina, and I Jake is a personal friend of mine. Okay, and I also told him when the Panthers were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, I wasn't rooting for him because I didn't want them to have a Super Bowl because they play in the Saints division. Like he he didn't yeah. he he got he did not get a fair shot with the Saints. And he went mm-hmm. to a division rival, and he's in their wall of honor. Like, he is beloved there, right? Now, mm-hmm. personally, I like him. The fandom in me, like, I wasn't I wasn't rooting for him when he played the Saints. Even even in 05, when the Saints were just, you know, it was, it was the, it, you had nothing to root for. It was depressing. It was the, it was the, the Katrina season, all that stuff. But I still wasn't rooting for in 03 when the Panthers went to I wasn't rooting for him when he played I wasn't rooting against him because he's my but I wasn't rooting for him against the Saints no way I mean it was a serious threat and he had a lot of success in the Superdome but there were a lot of fans around here Ralph that would be like I'm I'm, I'm a Panthers fan right now because I like Jake I mean the Saints aren't even really playing for much how can you not understand that I'm like how can you not understand that all I'm saying is that you're not a, a real Saints fan. That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you who to root for. I like Jake. If you want to root for him, that's awesome. But don't come back next year if the Saints are good and claim and, and act like you've been this hardcore Saints fan because you're not. Like right. you, You're not. You have to separate what someone did. In, if, if your college fandom is separate from your, your, your pro fandom, you're able to separate it. If, if your college fandom reigns supreme, then you're not really a big fan of that pro team. It just... I don't know, man. I, some people just can't separate the two. No, it's 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 just it's it's just annoying. Uh, and here's the thing: like, I love Joe Burrow. Like, it, 2019 is probably the when you when you like com, compare football experiences in my life. Like, the 2019 LSU, it's probably the greatest like football watching experience. Like, when you take away like how much you love the Saints or love LSU, like 2019 LSU was like a it's like the Death Star that didn't get blown up in Star Wars, right? They just annihilated people. It was it was magical. But, like, Saints 2 and 3, like, and even still, Scott, like, Cincinnati my whole life has been, like, my AFC team. Like, I rooted for them when they had Sison, and, like, I like them. Like, I root for Cincinnati when they're not playing the Saints. Like, I'll go back to rooting for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. I really like them. But, like, 
Not the sweet man. No way. No Not way. The sweet man. Saints no gotta way. Get to two and three. I was rooting Saints for I was rooting for Cincinnati against Baltimore. Against Arizona. Yeah. Fall off a cliff in right. the next like four days. Right. Right. You know? I was I was rooting for Cincinnati against Baltimore, but you know what I was rooting for more than them in that game? I wanted to go to overtime. I wanted them to play a full game. I wanted <laughs> them to be as tired as can be the following week. Like it all. It all. Everything. You know, my son's learning about football. He always, he always asks me when a game's on, like, who are we rooting for, Dad? And I'll explain to him, you know, if it's two AFC teams that are on the same schedule, I'll be like, it doesn't matter. Which 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 uniform do you like better, right? But if it if it involves an NFC team or anything that could have any kind of impact on the Saints, I tell him right away, and then I explain it to him. And I think when you're – and this doesn't just go for Saints fans. I think for any NFL team, when you're a hardcore fan of a team – you always find somehow, most of the time, maybe a Thursday night game between Jacksonville and Houston, maybe not, but most of the time, you find a rooting interest in an NFL game because no matter how far-fetched it might be, you can find some kind of position on how it will Im- it could potentially impact your team. Now, certain games are really obvious. Well, they're, they're a spot ahead of you in the standings. But other times, you have to go digging, but if, if you've been a hardcore fan of an NFL team for years, it doesn't take you long to dig. Like, you can go from, you know, the, the the floor level to 20 feet down in, like, seconds because you automatically instantly know this is how it's going to impact my team, and then you have a rooting interest in that game. Yeah, I didn't think of overtime for Cincinnati-Baltimore. I was thinking I want Cincinnati to get their guts ripped out, right? Well, and, like, that worked out pretty well for me. And that's the thing. Like I just said, I'm, 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 I'm a Cincinnati fan most of the time. Because they're my AFC team, but, but like but anything you're not, of, like I yeah. and anything that might benefit the Saints, I turn on them immediately. But like, right? Ralph, I was like, Ralph, I hope wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. I, to, I think your idea was better. I, I should have been rooting for overtime, right? But I, I, I got, I got, I got to call you out though, because it, it, aren't you being hypocritical by saying you're you're a Cincinnati fan most of the time? Because you're really not. Yeah, like I'm. Like I watch Cincinnati. I kind of watch Cincinnati like I watch. Um, other teams like I don't like I root for them, but like I don't care. Like, right, you, know, you don't I'm, root against. You I don't, don't root like, against like, them. Like Cincinnati, just... like they lost. Like they could lose the next after the same thing, and they could lose eight straight games on the final play, and like I wouldn't care. Like I just like oh Cincinnati, they lost. That's sad. And I turn off my TV and I go about my day. Right. So that's true. Like it, like like it's more like I watch it. Like Cincinnati is my AFC watch. You watch Cincinnati. Listen, you watch Cincinnati, and I do as well. Because look, I, 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 even before Burrow, I mean, they were just a franchise that stunk for a while. I would usually root for them, but you watch them the same way that that some of these people that got mad at you watch the Saints. That's like right. that's that. So I don't know that you can really use the word fan because then you'd be, you'd be being a hypocrite. Yeah, I'm a which, watcher. I like that better. I like that term better. I'm a I'm a I'm a Bengal. I'm a Bengal watcher. There you go. I'm a Bengal. I'm a Bengal watcher. I like it. We got to come up. I I know it's just semantics. But I, I feel like we need to come up with a different term because there's just there's there's various degrees of fandom. But yeah. we were calling out people saying, oh, "I'm not rooting for the Saints Sunday because of Burrow," but I'm a Saints fan. Well, you're not really a fan. I don't think you can also say, "Well, I'm a Bengals fan." You're you're a Bengal watcher. You're a Bengal supporter a lot of the time, but you you don't you're not a ride or die. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's 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 yeah, and it's it's one of those things. Like I was gonna compare my Bengal fandom or, like, my Bengal watching, right? I was going to compare it to, like, my Everton soccer English Premier League watching, 
But last year, like Everton almost got relegated out of the league. And suddenly my Everton watching went from like, from watching to life and death. Oh my God, they can't get relegated. If my team gets relegated, I won't be able to watch them anymore because I don't know how to watch AAA soccer in England, right? So like your fandom can, you, you can go from watching to fandom, but which is today, it's never going to happen. Um, but the thing is, Scott, there's going to be a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of people, bang, a lot of Bengal fans, a lot of LSU people in the state. I think it's probably going to be like 60, 40 Saints, maybe 70, 30 Saints. It's going to be a ton of the uh, LSU slash Bengal people in the Dome Sunday. Uh, I uh, Yeah, well, here we go. Uh, it's a game the Bengals are, 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 are a, a betting favorite in, a game that uh, they're desperate to win. The Saints are desperate to win. We'll get some thoughts from Ralph on what will unfold this Sunday and an injury right now that I think is the biggest injury of the season thus far for the Saints. We'll discuss. we got Ralph for just a few more minutes. Final segment of the show. Coming back after this, it's 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420. It's The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He, Andrew, Dave, Kevin, always fun. Dave was on one Monday. He was, yeah, they won, but is it really going to, and y'all jumped on him, and like I kind of saw his point of view, but I also understood why y'all were jumping over him. It was a great list, and everybody, if you're not already, go subscribe <laughs> to the Saints Happy Hour podcast. It's great stuff. Check out Rouse Columns at www.ltv.com. Uh, Ralph is at Saints Forecast on Twitter. Follow him there as well. All right, Ralph, we got you just for a few more minutes here as we wrap up the show here on this uh, on this Wednesday. Um, Marshawn Lattimore, we'll get an injury report later today. I am I I just go ahead and tell everyone it's going to probably be DNP. I uh, did not participate. That's my educated guess here. This is of all the injuries the Saints have had this season. And between Jameis and Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, and, and we could go on. There's been a lot. I get it. I think as far as heading into this matchup goes, and based on all the other injuries they've had in the secondary, this, I think, is the biggest injury thus far this season. And I think, unfortunately for the Saints, I, I think it's it's going to potentially have major implications in Sunday's game. It does have major implications. We'll have to see. I'm getting some news reports. I see some things on Twitter and then people that we have sources for the podcast that, it, that it, they're, they're, the Saints might be cautiously optimistic that he's going to be okay, and we'll, we'll see. Uh, but it's huge because the thing is, not to get all X's and O's and nerd, but like the way the Saints run their defense is kind of based on Lattimore can lock down whoever he wants. And – that allows us to do all these other things on defense. And I know people are probably screaming at the radio, well, it didn't work against Minnesota with Justin Jefferson, but it kind of did. Like, he hit a couple plays on Lattimore, but most of the time, like, it worked out fine. And if they don't have him, he's kind of like the, the power source or the fulcrum, whatever you want to call it in the defense. It, it matters a lot. And here's the thing with the defense, too, Scott. Like, it's not, it's not bad. Like, I, I know that Seattle lit him up, but Geno Smith made some throws in that game. Like, Gino's like, playing like he's at West Virginia again. I mean, that dude, some of those throws were ridiculously It was good. ridiculous. So, like, the throws, some of the throws were amazing. But, like, the Saints defense, like, it's not 
top three. Like at the end of last year, you could make a case the Saints defense was the best defense in the NFL. Like they, Cam Jordan got the good Rona. Him and Davenport started killing people, and they just with the secondary they were crushing teams. Like I mean, the the Tom Brady was like their was like their masterpiece. But that last like five six weeks, they were crushing people on defense. Um, but they're not that anymore. And, you know, they're kind of like probably anywhere from like the 10th best defense to the 16th best defense. And like that ain't going to cut it with the way their offense is. And I really think, Scott, it's the defense. It, it's two things. It's safety's kind of been low-key terrible and injured. Like Honey Badger, he's like – not the same dude that he was. Marcus May is hurt, so you're 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 missing your two supremely good safeties from last year, Jenkins and Marcus Williams, right? And also too, the defensive line just is like below average and sometimes it comes and sometimes it goes. Like Cam Jordan's picked it up they picked it up the last couple of weeks. But at defensive tackle on Yamada, he hasn't been the same since he got suspended. Like he he was incredible in huh. 2020. Since he got, he got suspended, suspended for, for PEDs, he hasn't been he's not the same dude. <laughs> so their their entire interior guys don't get really any rush. And Davenport and Cam Jordan are kind of they're starting to play themselves in the shape, hopefully. But that defensive line, it's not the same. So that makes the defense just kind of average, which <laughs> which is weird because you know ten years ago we'd have loved an average defense from the Saints, but the last four or five years. We're not used to it, and they're just kind of a kind of average defense now. It, 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 that and and I guess the the special teams having not been, oh my God. you know, what we expected is a big part of, you know, why they've been disappointing this season. Uh, I think to get a win Sunday, the Saints are going to need a little bit of shenanigans, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a blocked kick, uh, a trick play, turnover, something. It's not like the Bengals have been. La- I mean, the Bengals lost to the Steelers. The Steelers are bad. Saints lost to the Panthers. They're really bad. I mean, my point is these teams are both susceptible to self-inflicted wounds that cost them the game. I think oh. I, I think for the Saints, they're just going to, you know, play your best, but hope that Cincinnati shoots themselves in the foot a little bit more than you do. I, I don't think that just straight up, if there's no turnovers and everything is just is what it is, I don't think the Saints can win this game Sunday, Ralph. I think they need to be plus in the turnover department and a, a, a wild play here or there to, 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 to win this thing. Well, I think you're partially right, but as a, as a Bengal watcher, uh, not just last year when they went to the Super Bowl, but I've watched most of Zach Taylor's games. Zach Taylor is a, is a borderline terrible coach. And I know people are like, he went to the Super Bowl, man. How can you say he's a terrible coach? Cincinnati, they don't really run an offense Scott as much as they just call plays like they don't have their offense doesn't really have a counter move you know how when Sean Payton Drew Brees when their offense was when they were dominant when they were cooking it would be like oh you are going to not rush us and play coverage okay we're gonna run the ball down your throat and we're gonna hit the tight end here and like the Saints always had like a counter punch Cincinnati doesn't have a counter punch and Zach Taylor, I don't think he's that good of a coach. So if Dennis Allen can outcoach him, which I think it's possible on the defensive side at least, like Dennis Allen can come up with a really good plan if Lattimore can be healthy. I think the Saints can do some fun stuff and shut down Cincinnati. 
But the thing about the Saints is, God, they their special teams are so bad. Like they're, you know, I'm not a necessarily an analytics guy. I, I like it, and I use the data to make a formulate opinions and stuff. They're last in DVOA and special teams, and you can explain a lot. Like we can explain a lot about, you know, we just talked about the defense, and I'm like, well, the safeties are bad, and the defensive line is declined. Like you can you can have an explanation for everything that's happened for the Saints and why they're not they're why they're bad and you know the offense with Jameis got hurt and he maybe he's not a fit for the offense and that. You can explain everything. The special teams I mean, I don't understand how no. they went from an elite unit no. and have just fallen off a cliff and they they're the worst great. in the league. And you know, people on Twitter were like, Well, they were mediocre last year. I'm like, no, they really weren't they just, they just didn't, didn't have, have a kicker last that was year. It. And that, that was made it. their DVO yeah. kind of mediocre. Like this year it's Everything, dude. It's it's you know, Will Lutz has, has struggled a little bit, he, although he's he's come on lately. They can't cover, they fumble. Gillikin's either out kicking the coverage or taking horrible kicks. Like it's the special teams are all bad and I don't understand Me what the heck is going on. Like it's, there's no the, it's the reverse of last year. So you got your kicker back, but now everything else sucks. Right last year, everything was great on special teams except that. And Deontay Hardy now might be done for the year, and I don't know. He's it sucks for him contract wise, but he hasn't been good. They fumble. They have no return game. JT Gray's an All Pro, and he's you know he's he's not getting there. Gilligan's. It, you're right. It's just it it has been a major strength of this team since 2017, and it is a major weakness right now. And to your point. They didn't. I, I know that there's some that Sean Payton's gone. They have the same special teams coordinator. Like yes, right. th- that's. It's not like that you, part of it has got. For the head coaching job. And like, and that's and, why that's, that's yeah. what they thought of them. They're like, hey, we're looking for a head coach. We'll interview you. Like 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 that's. You can say, well, he should. You know, he he's not worthy to be a head coach or whatever. But like that's how highly the Saints thought of him to interview him for the job of head coach. And now he's still here, and their special teams are a dumpster fire. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. But you know what? Sometimes in football it doesn't, and it's just left <laughs> for us to overanalyze or laugh or make jokes. That's what you guys do. Saints Happy Hour podcast. Uh, Ralph Malbro and the crew do it. Go subscribe if you don't already. I know you guys have a lot of listeners here in the Lafayette area, so uh, most people listening they probably already do. At Saints Forecast on Twitter, give them a follow. Um, Ralph is much more interact. I mean, I, I'm on Twitter a lot, but I don't, I don't reply as much. I can say it's cause I'm busy, which I am, but you, you just, you're busy, but you just do it. You get into it and I dig right. it. Um, so go give him a follow. If you want to debate with him, if you want to get after it, he's, uh, he's ready for it. Uh, have some fun. Anything else, man, you want to plug before we let you run, buddy? No, just follow. Just two things. Just wherever you get your podcast, Saints Happy Hour podcast, give us a listen. We're the most fun things. But also, I need people to pray for me because the Astros are starting in the postseason, and my wife is an Astros lunatic. I'm not. I'm a huge Astros fan, but I'm not as big a lunatic as her. And, Scott, postseason baseball, it is amazing, and it is fun. But it is exhausting. I feel like partially watching postseason baseball is like four hours of like of like being like jumping out of a plane, riding a motorbike, doing cocaine. Like it's the it's kind of the worst sports experience of your life. Like it's just so incredibly tense. And the Astros have day games. I can't even drink 
to take the edge off because I'm going to be working. Like this yeah. is all bad. Yeah. I guess yeah. they got to they got to win. They got to wrap up this series quick and then get to the ALCS so they can have night games. So hey, I, look, it I could be it could be a lot worse. Off. It could be a lot worse. I mean, I'm a Mets <laughs> fan, and and I. <laughs> I don't. I, everyone's getting their jokes off. They continue to. They continue. To, they they will. It just. I I. It could be worse. So I know it's going to be stressful. I know your wife is uh, really super into it. But you know what? You got a good team. They got a good shot. And and that's that is what it is. It's the least you can do. She has to put up with you that's every right. Sunday. Right. Well, not every Sunday. Literally every day of the year when it comes to the Saints. So you can you can you right. can put up with the postseason. You can do it. That's right. That's right. All right, Ralph. Man, hey, I appreciate it, brother. As Saints Forecast on Twitter, everybody go give him a follow, and I know you and I will uh, chat again soon, my friend. Yeah, hopefully the Saints will be winning by then. All right, thanks to Ralph Malbro for coming on the show. That's it for me this morning. Appreciate Gerald Broussard joining us from Huntington earlier. Reminder, we talked a lot about it in the 7 o'clock hour. Louisiana Raging Cajun football tonight, ESPN2 at 6.30. We remind you. Turn down the volume on the TV, sync it up with the radio, whether it be 1033, 1079, 1420, whether it be via the stream, use the pause, use the play, fix it, work it out, figure it out, because trust me, you will really, really enjoy hearing Jay and Gerald and Cody Juno on the sideline as opposed to whoever's in the booth tonight for ESPN2. But for a lot of you, you still won't listen to me. I'll just see you tweeting, complaining about some name the announcer mispronounced. Do something about it. Turn that down. Turn us up. Come on. 4.30 pregame this afternoon. Steve Peliquin and Richie Fowey have it for you, and they'll keep you company all the way up until kickoff. That's going to do it for me. I'm Scott Prather. Tomorrow, Chris Lana will be on. We'll talk about a lot tomorrow. We'll be about tonight's game between the Cajuns and the Thundering Herd. It'll be a big part of discussion. Uh, among other things, it's all coming your way. In the meantime, until next time, this is 103.3 The Goat. Simulcast on 1420, the GOAT, the greatest sports talk of all time.